0: gonna focus a little bit inside, and uh, then we're gonna elaborate. We're gonna go back <coughs> out and elaborate outside. Hello. I don't have one. Oh, so um, I you should ask Raskamaga. Okay. Ask Kamaga for, for one, and if she doesn't have a copy right now, then you can share with somebody else. Okay. Everyone else has a copy, right? Yeah. Okay, amazing. The text is small, so I definitely made sure to wear my glasses um okay so we spoke a bit a little bit about uh ELO and how we need to prepare we need to use this time of elo specifically to prepare for rosh Hashanah and we spoke a little bit about what a mimar looks like in general we said I, I told you about the opening verse of the mimer. Yeah. so just to repeat good morning do you have a copy no, no. a book okay so you can go ask Marga. oh okay perfect so, will bring you some, what's your name Mishka Janak. Mishka Janak. And what's your name Helikberg. Helikberg. nice to meet you guys all right i'm esther shento um, so we're going to be learning the maimari of the alt Rebbe inside okay so you're going to get the the text so we mentioned before that the verse ani ladodi vadodili is one of the many acronyms of the name of elo right uh, what's called in hebrew rasheh tevot rasheh tevot means an acronym and we said that it was originally brought down by the Abu Dharam, and it's also brought down in many different places of, of kabbalah as well the fact that this um that this verse from shirashirim is an acronym for the name of Elohim, and we said that Shir HaShirim was written by does anyone remember who wrote shirashirim king solomon. king solomon that's right and it's a love story on the basic level between a man and a woman who are deeply in love and Chasing one another and pursuing and then withdrawing. Um, and it's representative on a much deeper level, it's a very, very deep, deep work of the Torah, representative of our relationship with Hashem. We are the woman in the relationship, and Hashem is the man in terms of the uh the, alle- the allegory, I guess it's called. So when we see this term Anilododivadodili, it's from chapter six in Shirashem, and it means I am to my beloved. And my beloved is to me. And if we look at the context of what's going on in that chapter, we see that the woman in that chapter is chasing after the man. She's looking for him in the fields. She's looking for him. She's madly in love with him, and she's trying to find him. And in the context of that, she says, I am to my beloved. I referring to the woman, and on a deeper level referring to the Jewish people. My beloved referring to the man, referring to Hashem. And my beloved is to me. So... What we see here is that in this context of this verse specifically, the woman is pursuing the man. The Jewish people are pursuing Hashem. There is a com- completely opposite verse in chapter 2 of Shir Hashem, which is Dodi-li, my beloved is to me and I am to him, and it ends Beshashan, who's found <laughs> among, the, among the lilies or among the roses, however, translate Shoshanim. So there, in that context, in chapter two, if you look at the context of chapter two inside, you'll see that the man is showering the woman with, with love. She's in the palace, and he's feeding all different foods and all different delicacies, and, and in that context, she says, Dodi-li, my beloved is to me, my beloved is reaching out to me, vaani and I reach out to him. So what's the significance over here? Why, why do we need to know this? And the answer is because this verse is representative of a specific state that we find ourselves in in the month of Eloh, where it starts with Ani Ladodi, I am to my beloved. I, the Jewish people, are reaching out to their beloved, to Hashem. And then my beloved is to me. Then my beloved Hashem responds to this initiation and responds in kind by showering us with love, showering the Jewish people with love, which is the opposite of in another place in Shoshua, which we'll get to. So that's a little bit of the context of the verse, which the entire mimer is named after. Okay. From there, let's see inside a little bit. Okay. And then we're going to elaborate outside again. So if, before we go, does anyone have any questions? No? Okay. Just a reminder about, the, about how we're going to do this. Those of you who want to follow along with the Hebrew, you can follow along. If not, you can flip. Most of the them are, uh, that we have have the English side by side, but unfortunately, we couldn't find it with this one. So if you do want to follow along in English, just flip to after page 66, right? You'll see the first letters of the words of the verse, lododi. It's a literal translation in the English. So if you want to follow along in English, feel free. If you want to follow along in Hebrew, if you want to just listen... If you are following along in the Hebrew and you want a translation because you want to really get it down, just stop me and ask me, okay? Um, Because we're probably all going a little bit different paces with the Hebrew. Okay, so Anita Dodi, this was given over in 1779, 1779, 1780, 1779, the year 1779, Parshas Re'eh, it was Shabbat Mavachim Eloh, it was the month, it was the week that they blessed the month of Eloh. And the altar we gave over this manner, starting with Ani, Ledodi, li. with a quote Ma I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. Rashe Tevot, these, uh, these, this verse is an acronym for Elo, for the name of the month of Elo. The Ha'inya. And a lot of things are an acronym for the month of Elo, right? We can, we can find many, many. And many people have. But the question then becomes okay, so what, right? What's the connection between the two? Uh, we can make up sentences right now that are an acronym for Elo, but they don't really mean much, right? Because we made them up. So, what, why was the specific verse brought in connection with Elo? That's what we're going to have to understand. Key. This is because the in the month of Elo, Matchil bechinas ani l'dodi. We start this process that's called ani l'dodi. I am to my beloved. which means. Bchinat is sarusa de a level of an arousal from below, and we're going to speak about this term in a moment. It's an aspect of an arousal from below, and below means down here, us. Yes. What does matzilo bchinat mean? Matchil means begins, and bchinat means the level or the aspect, the aspect of. So we're going to discuss what that means. That ani ledodi represents this level of the Jewish people initiating ad rosh Hashanah until we reach rosh Hashanah, right? The month of Elul is a full month, and Rosh Hashanah begins the month of Tishrei on the first of Tishrei. Once we hit the next month of Tishrei, we hit Rosh Hashanah. and then and ten days later, the day of Yom Kippur, and then they are a level of hamshachat elokuso, drawing down God's light, may He be blessed, down here, in a revealed way. So, what's it saying here? Ani l'dodi represents the time of Elul. Ani Lododi represents the Jewish people initiating the relationship with Hashem until we reach Rosh Hashanah where we get a revelation in return from Hashem. So if we look at the verse, we see Ani Lododi, I'm to my beloved Lododili, and my beloved responds. The first two words are symbolizing the month of Elul, because in month of Elul we initiate. We reach out to Hashem. We seek Him out in the fields as if you look at the context of the verse. And then... In the month of Tishrei, God responds with a revelation of his own, which we experience on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And uh, I want to talk about this a little bit before we, before we continue inside. So there's a, there's a famous question when it comes to Shabbat and when it comes to the holidays. That's asked many times and it is like this. If none of the Jewish people would keep Shabbat, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, one week, just everybody would make a... Disastrous miscalculation. I think Shabbat is on, 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 on Friday. I'm surprised we didn't do this in COVID when like everything was, but we kept track. We've kept track since the beginning of time. Um, somehow nobody kept Shabbat on Shabbat and everyone kept Shabbat on, on Friday. Would Shabbat still be Shabbat? No. No, why not? Because the Jews do Shabbat like, it for example, I know when the Jew is in desert, and you don't know when it's a Shabbos, you just start counting the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, until <coughs> the sixth, sixth day. It may be like the Thursday, Friday that meant, but for you, it will be Shabbos. That is true. Have you guys heard that halakha before? That, that is one opinion. There's two opinions. So okay. whatever anyone would have said would have been correct. Um, but, th- but that, that halacha, that law that you brought is very important. If somebody loses track of time, which is possible, right? If you're by yourself. Usually if you're with a, a general script, you kind of... Can keep track. but somebody gets lost in the desert, they lose track of time, they can start counting from that day towards Shabbat. And the day that they count as the seventh day, that is Shabbat for them. So, on the one hand, we have this this idea that a person can sanctify Shabbat for himself. But what about as a community? And what about the day? It's Like, even if you go and you look, like that's like the one mitzvah, two that, like, going are not allowed to like a very sacred day. So you're saying saying the opposite, that Hashem chose the day and it's the day itself. And it's the day itself. And that is also correct, that Hashem made Shabbat before there were people, right? It says Hashem rested on the seventh day. Um, He had created people already, but He rested. Hashem Himself rested. The day itself has something because Hashem rested on that day. So we have these two things going on at the same time. And the truth is... (coughs) Again, there's different opinions. But there's an opinion that says that Shabbat sanctifies itself. Shabbat sanctifies itself, which is why when we say the Kiddush, when we say the Kiddush, we're actually sanctifying the Shabbat. If you forget to say Kiddush, it's still Shabbat. If you didn't hear Kiddush, it's still Shabbat, right? You can't be like, oh, I'm going to make it up tomorrow and I'll make my Shabbat. And we say Mekadesh et Shabbat. We bless Hashem in the Kiddush as the one who sanctifies Shabbat. We don't say that we are sanctifying, which we say um, when we talk about the, the holidays, we actually say Asher which we are sanctifying, but when it comes to Shabbat, we say, which is sanctified, because Shabbat is actually sanctified on its own. The day of Shabbat exists as a separate entity on, on the one hand from the Jewish people. And th- this goes back to a debate, it goes even further than that, which is, is time a creation? Is time something that exists? on its own, separate from reality. And there's a debate. So some say yes and some say no. The Rambam and Hasidus and Kabbalah all agree that time and space, we won't won't get into space right now, that time is a creation on its own, independent. It's an independent creation. Hashem created the world and he created time. And within time that he created, he actually created units of time. Each unit infused with a different... Aspect, and level, and energy of godliness. So we have millennia, right? Which each millennia, each thousand years represents its own unique time. We're in the sixth millennia, heading towards the seventh, which is Mashiach. There are years, and there's a cycle that exists within the year, which we said Hashem decided what to put there, right? Hashem decided that within that cycle we're going to have Rosh Hashanah, we're going to have Yom Kippur, we're going to have Sukkot, and where exactly in the year the cycle will go. We have weeks which we see very clearly with the end of Shabbat, culminating in Shabbat every single week. We have days. We have hours, which is called sha'a. And we have biblical hours, which don't work exactly the same as our 12 hour clock, but very similar. And then we have something that's called a rega. In modern Hebrew, who knows Hebrew? What is rega? Moment. Moment, and you'll hear people telling you rega, right? So we know rega as a second but actually it's brought that, oh, I don't remember exactly, that orega in Hashem's world is like one something, 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 something of a second. It's a split, split moment. That's orega. So Hashem actually created time and within time, He created units of time. That millennia, He created years, He created weeks, days, hours, and instances. And it says that Hashem is is, is angry once a day for orega, for, for an instant. It's like, Literally, when you say split second, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was. But tiny, tiny fraction of a second. And so, time exists almost in a way on its own, independent of what we're doing. So then we ask the question: So, do we keep Shabbat? Is, does Shabbat exist because we make Kiddush, or does Shabbat, ex, or do we make Kiddush because it's Shabbat? We make Kiddush because it's Shabbat. We make Kiddush because it's Shabbat, right? So we do have that exception, where if somebody loses track of time, he can make his own Shabbat. But the reality and state of the world is that Shabbat is Shabbat. And because Shabbat is Shabbat, we rest. Because Shabbat is Shabbat, we make Kiddush. Because Shabbat is Shabbat, we go to Shul. And the same thing with Rosh Hashanah. Do we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah? Is Rosh Hashanah Rosh Hashanah because we blow the shofar? Or do we blow the shofar because it's Rosh Hashanah? We blow the shofar because it's Rosh Hashanah, right? And um, there's a story with the, the, not a story. There's a halacha by the Rogat Shabbagon, uh, stroll Rosen. He, he he passed away in the nineteen thirties. He lived around the same time as the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was a huge, huge, huge Talmudic genius, and he has a halacha. He has a he asks a question: if somehow you only got access to a shofar a like a, a second before Rosh Hashanah is over, which tikkia, which which one should you blow? There's different, there's different tikiot that you should blow. Which one should you blow? And he gives his answers. And then at the end, he says, and you can continue trump, trumping, trumpeting the horn, like blowing away afterwards as well. But his, his language completely shifts. It's blowing the shofar. It's a mitzvah for that one second. And then you, if you want, you can continue tooting your horn, basically. Because the moment Rosh Hashanah leaves, it's just a horn again, right? So the day itself has something special. And the reason for that is because Hashem made it that way. Hashem made it that way that there's a special energy on Shabbat. And because there's a special energy on Shabbat, we raise ourselves up to match that energy. Hashem made a special energy on Rosh Hashanah. And because he made that energy, we raise ourselves up to that. He made a special energy on Pesach. And because he, there's a special energy that exists on Pesach, we raise up to that. And certain events happen specifically because of the time. So were the Jewish people redeemed on Pesach, do we have Pesach because the Jewish people were redeemed or were the Jewish people redeemed because it was Pesach? And the answer is that Pesach, the month of Nisan, has a special auspicious time for freedom. And that's why the Jewish people were redeemed then. And Elo, Tishrei, has a special time for teshuvah, for returning to Hashem, and for forgiveness, which is why that's specifically when Hashem forgave the Jewish people. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't think Pesach was a good example because the whole name Pesach is that because they were saved. That's why. the... the ah, that's why we have the name that's Pesach. Why we have the name. Okay, that's so the name definitely we have the name we have the name Pesach because of the event, but and and we celebrate Pesach because of the event. Yes. But the Pesach happen in is Nissan the month of freedom because of Pesach. Or did Pesach specifically happen in Nisan because it was the month of freedom? And the is going to actually explain. It's a very good point. Yes, we only have Pesach because of the story that happened then. It's an interesting thing also that we see with Tisha B'Av. There's a very... The ninth of Av. Was the Beis HaMikdash destroyed? Do we... Is the ninth of Av a sad day for Jewish people because the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed? Or is the Beis HaMikdash destroyed in Av because Av is a not good month for the Jewish people? And if we look... The first temple was destroyed on the ninth of Av. The second temple was destroyed on the ninth of Av. The Jewish people were expelled from Spain on the ninth of Av. The Jews were expelled um, from Gush Katif in Av. Every random war that starts between Israel and the Jewish people starts in Av, um, erev Tishav. This year, the day before, there was just what was going on. I don't even remember anymore. In, uh, Gaza. in, in Gaza, they were they went in and it was it was it was a stressful time. It happened the day before Tishav. It lines up. Ere, heard of Tisha B'av, and it's happened many times, many times, that, on Tisha B'av, And in that time, the period of the three weeks, suddenly just random fighting will break out. Yeah. But Mashiach is supposed to come during that time ah. also. So is it like if all the Jewish people during a, bad, a hard month, align their energy for good, then Mashiach will come? That's a beautiful question. It does say that Tisha B'av is going to turn into a yom, so that, t- that Mashiach was born on Tisha B'av, And that when Mashiach comes, Tisha B'av is going to be like a Purim for us. It's going to be a day of huge celebration. Um, because the truth of the essence of that day will be revealed. But when we're in exile, it's considered a time. It says clearly in Allah that if you have a very risky business deal you want to do, don't do it in Av. Will Av completely switch over when we show here? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in general, the whole in general, the idea of suffering won't exist, right? Um, and the truth of that month will be revealed. Yes, it'll be it'll be it'll be a time of of, of great joy, specifically the ninth of Av. But the reality today is, if you have a risky business deal, don't, don't do it enough, right? It says that, um, that Adar is a, is a is good luck time. Um, and I remember learning that. I was in um Alta, I was, in Alt, I was shlucha there. I remember learning about Adar, and then I ended up getting, like, very quickly engaged in that month. I remember the beginning of the month, like, learning about it. Oh, this is like good. And then, like, yeah, a few weeks later, I was engaged in Adar. So Adar is definitely, it's a, it's a good month. Um, so the idea is like this. Hashem created time. And he infused different units of time with different energies. And we see this also, Kabbalah explains it in the context of summer and winter. We have the summer where the sun is shining. And the summer is ending now, as, as hot as you think it is. Or well, some of you are already in your sweaters. So you're definitely getting uh, into, the, into the winter vibes. Um, we see the days already getting shorter as Elul begins. The days are getting shorter. Shabbat is coming out earlier. Um, the summer month begins in the time of Pesach, Nisan. Where the sun is shining. What does that represent on a spiritual level? That Hashem's light is shining freely during that time. Hashem is giving in that month. Hashem is giving for free almost. Hashem is giving us gifts during the time of Nisan. And what happened in Nisan? Hashem chapped the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt. They didn't deserve it. The Jewish people were not deserving of leaving Egypt says, what's the reason that Hashem took the Jewish people out of Egypt? Because he promised their great-great-grandfather, Avram, that after a certain amount of time, he was going to take them out. So he took them out, right? Not because the Jewish people did anything. Yes, they kept their name, right? They kept their name, they kept their language, and what was the third thing? They kept their clothing. Um, so there was, they did the bare minimum to be able to be saved, but they, by the time they got to the sea, and the sea Hashem said, split the sea, the sea said, Why should I split for these people, not these people? What's the difference between the Egyptians standing on the riverbanks and the Jews? And Hashem said, their grandfathers Avram Split, right? They didn't have much merit on their own. And yet Hashem did tremendous miracles during that time in order to get them out. Because he had to do tremendous miracles during that time. Because he had to wake up the soul of the Jew that was completely sleeping. Hashem had to wake us up. Which is why we left in haste. We ran out of Egypt. We ran out of there because if we would wait one more moment, we ourselves would stay in Egypt. And we see that the moment they left, the Jewish people were like, maybe, maybe, maybe we should go back, right? Because they hadn't chosen fully to leave Egypt. Hashem slept them out. And the reason that that happened is because it's a time of shining. It's a time of the sun where Hashem gives, where Hashem shines, and He gives Himself freely over to us and to the world. As opposed to Elul and Tishrei. Elul... Is the beginning of the winter. The days are getting shorter. We're going into the winter. In the winter, the sun does not shine as freely. We have to work hard to keep ourselves warm. We have to make fires. We have to seek out the sun, and it's gets available much less and less. And this is representative of Hashem kind of distancing himself and us needing to then make the effort to find him, which is representative of this idea of Ani Lododi. So when we say Ani Lododi, we're talking about Hashem is far out, and we have to seek him out. We have to actively seek him out because he's not shining his light onto us and giving us free gifts of love and fear of Hashem. We have to seek it out. And then when we do that, we get to Dodili, we can reach Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a time of revelation. It's the time where Hashem, right on, on Yom Kippur, Hashem forgave the Jewish people. And Hashem taught uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Yud Kimo which we're going to discuss and learn. So we start off with Elo. In the month of Elul, Hashem is, is not shining, and He's not dragging us out with miracles and overpowering us with His light, Hashem is, Hashem is Hashem, and we have to actively seek Him out. And when we get to Tishrei, by the time we get to Tishrei, Hashem then responds by lighting up the soul of the Jew on Shoshana and on Yom Kippur. So, this is what it means when it says that in Elol the aspect of ani Lododi is present. In Elol, it's a time, because we said that each time is infused with its own energy. It's a time where we have to initiate. It's a time where the woman in the relationship needs to initiate. If you, I think mean, if you go look at the context of where, of where this paso comes from, the woman she's seeking out, her, she's seeking him out. She's looking for him in the field, She's calling for him, and then we can get to what, um, the level of. of um, Rosh Hashanah. So, in technical terms, I don't know if it's technical or Kabbalistic terms, this seeking out Hashem, this effort and arousal from below is called Isarussa de la Sata. So, if you see in the Hebrew, it's on the line right here at the end of the first line. Isarussa means an arousal de la Sata from below. Below meaning from all the way down here in this world. We are initiating. Okay. And now the Altarev is going to go inside and explain the second phase. So Elo is representative of Dodi. Then Tishrei is Dodili. What does Dodili mean? My beloved is to me. It means that Hashem is reciprocating. He's reciprocating to our love and our initiation from Elo with his own shining and his own love in Tishrei. So we're going to see what that looks like. So let's go back inside. Before we go back inside, does anyone have any questions? No? Okay. You're all very uh, accepting. Great. <laughs> Uh, if you have questions at any time, just feel free. So we're on the third paragraph inside. And sorry for those of you who are following in the English. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly. Is yeah. anyone following in the English? I want to, to tell it's them it's about it arousal like halfway down the page. Okay. it says, like all the divine service rule. you see that? Also, the paragraph as well. It's also the first, right? Okay. As the alternative proceeds to explain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here, ad. So we're in in the in the English. It's ad. This face continues until Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Okay, for those who are in the English. Kmoshe Katuv, as it's written, Smolo Tachat His left hand is under my head. The His right hand embraces me. This is another quote from Shera Hashem, also from chapter 2, right before it actually says the quote of Dodi Liva law, which is referring to when Hashem first initiates and then we respond. Smaller Tachat means his left hand is under my head, his right hand embraces me. And Hasidus explains that Hashem has a left side and a right side. What does that mean? Does anyone, what is left and right? Right yes. is like chesed, and left is more. Right, right is chesed, which is kindness, and left is more severity and judgment. So, when we say that his left hand is under me, we mean that Hash- So, in the context of Shir Hashem, in the simple language, the woman is saying that her lo- lover, the man's left hand, is under her head, and his right hand is embracing her, which is referring to the two, the two ways that Hashem communicates with us through chesed, kindness, and. Judgment, love, and fear. And when we say fear, we mean more awe, right? So, Shemi from Rosh Hashanah, from whence we go into Tishrei, Ad Yom Kippurim, until Yom Kippur, who Bechinat Smolo. It's a level of Hashem's left hand holding up our head. What does that mean? A level of awe. What do we call them? Yamim Hanoraim, right? The days of awe. That's what they're called because the Hashem's level of Year Hashem's kingship is revealed, and so we relate to Hashem in a way of awe. We are overwhelmed by Hashem's presence, and we are awed by it in the time of Rosh Hashanah because Hashem comes out with all of His splendor. When it, I have a question. Like when it always says like you should have a fear, does it like what does it actually mean by the concept of fear? Like, is it saying like I should actually fear Him, or it's like I should I should use my love and like inspiration? So like, like, what does it mean by... It's a very good question. So, fear and love are two, they're two separate things. They're two separate things. That's the 1st there the, there's, They're two channels in two ways. Um, and there's different levels within fear. So the basic, basic level does mean fear. And that's where some people need to start out. Hashem is the one who controls my life. And Hashem is the one who gives and takes. And I'm afraid to make him upset, right? That's the most elementary basic level when we speak about fear of Hashem, right? Um, and on, on the opposite side, love. What's the most elementary level of that? It would be, I love Hashem because, you know, I like all the good things he does for me, right? And I like, I like my life, so I love Hashem. Those are like the very, that's the elementary level. So, so when we say fear, on the one hand, yeah, we mean fear. I'm scared. I'm, I don't want Hashem to mess up my life, right? I, I want Hashem to take care of me. So I'm afraid to make him upset. That's the basic level. What's a deeper level? A level of what we would call awe, right? Or I like to use the word respect, right? When you see somebody who's revealed in all of their greatness and all of their glory and you truly truly understand that this person is so beyond you and so above you, you treat them with with awe and with respect. And that leads to the same result of I don't want to make him upset, right? Because I respect him and I'm in awe of him or of her. So the result is almost the same. Fear of Hashem, Yira, which can mean fear or awe or respect or more from a distance, I guess, appreciating Hashem from, from, for, for just how much bigger He is than us, leads to practically us not breaking Hashem's rules, right? Us not being over what's called a, lotase, a mitzvah of thou shall not do. So practically the result is the same, which is we don't, to Aveirot, because either I'm scared I'm going to punish me, that's like the basic elementary, I'm scared, I'm scared of Hashem, I'm freaked out, or because I'm so in awe of Hashem, I'm so respectful, so to speak, of Hashem, that I would never want to, that I would never want to not listen to Him, does that make sense? Yeah. And, there, and there are many, many more levels than this, and more nuances, and we'll speak definitely more about love and fear throughout the year. Um, and then again, there's also different levels of love, right? Do you love Hashem because of what He gives you? Do you love Hashem because of, yeah, like, why do you love Hashem? And practically, our love of Hashem leads us to, want to do things for Hashem, which is to do the positive commandments, to fulfill the positive commandments. Okay, so the time of Rosh Hashanah, as they're called, the Yomim Noraim, they're days of awe. They're days where Hashem reveals Himself in His full glory, in His full kingship, and we respond by being overwhelmed by Hashem, and therefore we, we serve Him. We subjugate, we give ourselves over to Him. But this comes in response to first us initiating in Elul where we're not overwhelmed by Hashem, where Hashem just seems like not that overwhelming and overpowering because He doesn't feel that present to us in the moment. So this is represented by Smolotaches and then it ends with v'yaminotachapkeini, his right hand will embrace me, which is referring to what happens after, what happens after Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Sukkot and Simchat Torah. Joy, joy, love. So then Hashem's love for us becomes revealed and we respond with Sukkot and we respond with Simchat Torah. So there's an energy, again, there's an energy going on and we respond to that energy with the holidays that correspond to it. So the energy of Rosh Hashanah is the days of awe and we respond to it by having Rosh Hashanah, which we act in a way of awe and respect. And I guess we can say feel, though Chabad kind of stays away from that context uh, in terms of the context of Rosh Hashanah, it's not a day to be fearful. Um, yeah? So his left hand is under my head correlates to the days of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur. Yes. Those like 10 days, not... not right, after. right. Not the entire Tishrei, but the 10 days of what's called the Yom Im And then the right hand that Grace's me is afterwards. It's, exactly. It's Sukkot and Simchat Torah, the end of Tishrei. Exactly. So Rosh Hashanah, that from Rosh Hashanah Ad Yom HaKipurim Until Yom Kippur who Bechinat Smolo It's a level of Hashem's left hand Of Bechinat Yira Which we can translate as Fear Or L'fi She'az Because then Huzman kalut Malchuto Yisbarach It's a time where God reveals his kingship. He reveals himself to be the king over all of us. Which makes us automatically respond. If you would suddenly see a king We don't even know what that really means today. In all of his splendor What are you going to feel? Love Love? No, in like. Well, I guess no. Tell me why. Because like you're like you're because like because you
1: feel you're embracing like you are not you embrace him but like you
0: like you like love not love him but like I don't know you like. You feel that connection because yeah. he's right in front of you. Definitely hear that. I definitely hear that. Um, in this context, we're hugging the king, right? Be of chabkini. We get to that level. Where Hashem is still Hashem, we're in His past, and we're going to discuss that. But we feel love. But first, we start off. What's the initial reaction? Whoa, right? Or oh. fear? Yira. The reason we feel this is because at the time Hashem's the energy that's infused into the time of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is one where Hashem reveals Himself as, as our King, and therefore we respond with smaller tachanin with the left side, which is yira. okay, That's why throughout the entire Rosh Hashanah, if you look at the prayers, how do we refer to Hashem? The king, the king, the king, the king. Hashem has many ways we can refer to him. As the merciful one, right? As the loving one, as the kind one. But we refer to him again and again as the king throughout this time because that's how Hashem is revealing himself to us. This is a quote from Tehilim, which we say every single day in Ashrei, that your kingship, Fills up all of the worlds. Perush, which means the Olamot that even in the upper spiritual worlds, Tipol Alehem, even there it falls upon them a awe of the king, the pachado and fear of him. So what is this coming to say? That at the time of Elul Hashem reveals himself as the king, not only to us but also to the souls up in heaven, also to the angels in the spiritual worlds, all of the worlds, and we're going to discuss, um, I don't know exactly when, maybe even tomorrow, we'll see the concept of, of the different worlds, because um, we're going to speak about it a lot, that there's this world, and then there's also different levels of spiritual worlds up above, but all of the world. it says, olamim <laughs> is plural, the worlds, not only this world, but also the spiritual worlds, during the time of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur are in awe of Hashem because His glory, His kingship is revealed to all of the levels. Okay, and therefore we respond with a Rosh Hashanah and we respond with a Yom Kippur. So from this level, it draws down from the upper worlds, from the angels, from the souls, all the way down to our world down here. Omizeh, um, from this, from this revelation during the time of Rosh Hashanah Nimshach gam It's drawn also down here. Al klalut, neshamot Yisrael, to all the souls of the Jewish people. Lekabel ol malchut shamayim, to accept the yoke of Hashem's kingship alehim on themselves. So we feel this as well. And it's something very, very interesting. Have you heard of the term Yom Kippur Jew? I don't love that term. Okay, there's no such thing as Yom Kippur Jew. You're a Jew, you're a Jew all the time, right? But some people, who they go to when. On Yom, Yom, Yom Kippur, Yom. Yom. right, or also on Rosh Hashanah? Why? They know that it's special day. It like is a special day. Pesach special too. No, it's different special. like <laughs> I don't how do they know? How do they know it's a special day? I don't think they actually know. I think it's usually just tradition. Like yeah holidays. Like my my parents, yes. as good as <laughs> like my parents me good will feel worse. So then I have the question of how many other traditions, right, did your parents have from your grandparents, let's say, that why? they don't keep? <laughs> a lot. So why this one do they keep, right? I'm sure your grandparents did a lot of things, they cooked certain things this way and that way and did this. There's lots of things we get that's what people will say, right? When you ask them why are you come in. I don't know. My dad came. Okay, your dad also did this and this. Do you do that? Uh, well, no. And he also did this and this. Do you do that? Well, no. So, so why this? Why specifically this thing? I think maybe like a lot of people, like, even if you're raised secular, like there, there's still like a very deep understanding that Yom Kippur is it, it's it's important. It's the day. It's the day. Like, the day, even, right? Even in it's called Hayom. That's, that's really impressive on young people. So yeah. It's, so it's, and and really, the question is why? I mean, it's the day of judgment. It's the day of judgment. I don't think so. Like, I don't actually think it is angry, is so. that was the case. A lot of people are like, I go show only other people. That's it. That's the only time yeah. they go. Like, yeah, but they're not going because they fear Hashem. Yeah. No, they don't necessarily fear God. You don't know but you can also fear and love God at the same time. So it can be like both aspects that you're feeling. Which it is, because God's something that we can't... He's no. not tangible. So it's like scary yeah. to know that like, it's the unknown, I guess. So people can hear them and love him at the same time, that they do have that, like, both feeling And It's like, hey, that's the time you go to show, that's the time you pray, and that's the time you ask for whatever you want. So that's the time where the fear comes out, specifically. The fear, just because, yeah. I guess it's both. No. And the love. like, at all times. So if it's at all times then they they've got to show all the time, right? No, but it doesn't mean that you're going to go to show because you have, have those feelings. Having those feelings is just having a connection with God. Okay, so, so then the question is, why the show part? Nobody loves show. I mean maybe some people. Why go to show? Why are many, many people fasting on their people, which nobody likes to do? And I feel like more people go to show than fast. Okay. Why are they going to show? It could have much better thing to do with their time. the rest show time because again, okay. shuts out, even in Israel, like, you can't open a business it's illegal to be open on your paper. In Israel, work. yes. But, but in, but but it's in not, America, you can go it's to web. not, right. But it's just, that's, I mean, where the generation comes in, so, like, it's passed down, it's tradition. yeah, yeah. I would Definitely. It's tradition. Like There's my, tradition, yeah. Like, you see, 70% Jewish, most of which is Reform, conservative, and they know, the, like, they know the Orthodox community. They know that you're not supposed to drive a job. They know, they know all of it. But they drive to Shul like they were before. But they're coming to Shul. They but before. they're going to Shul. I think it's just like a tradition. Like, oh, my parents did it. But so do not believe do it that driving is like that thing? thing. Okay. Because before... They don't believe that driving. Right. So for them, it's not wrong. That's the thing. Like, just because Orthodox people go through it doesn't mean, like... Do you got know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they think for them, it's okay. And for Orthodox people it's not, but they don't feel like they So for them, they're showing up to show how they should be showing up, and they're showing no, up. No, That's no, the thing. Right. I listen, yeah, like, no. even, uh. like, <laughs> having, like, like we, we drive to school because, like, we know, growing up, we drove to Friday Night Services. Like, that doesn't, like... That's just normal. It's it's normal, but it's it's okay for, for us. And if an Orthodox Jew wanted to do that, too, like, I wouldn't say, like, it's not okay for them. Like, if they, if that was a choice that an Orthodox Jew made, I don't know, like, how they would still be considered orthodox at some point? Like, at what point do you draw the line? But like, that's their choice to make. It's not like they can't do it; they just don't. You can you can go to shul, and what people go to shul different ways. They go to shul. Um, uh, the halacha says if you have to, if the only way you could get to shul is drive, stay home, even on Yom Kippur. That's what the halacha says. That's what orthodox Jews say. But at the end of the day, how Jews are getting to shul is a separate question of the fact that they're going, right? The fact that many people are also fasting. I, uh, my father's rabbi community in South Africa, uh, in Cape Town, a very secular community. It's got about 3,000 members in the shul. You see a couple hundred on Shabbat, maybe, maybe, maybe. On Yom Kippur, 3,000 seats are full. On Rosh Hashanah, 2,500 seats are full. There's something going on. There's something going on and people will say tradition but then ask them all the other traditions that they have uh, dumped of their parents why this tradition there's something going on inside that we can't it's really like, explain like one day where it's kind of like um solidarity like even though people might not just like subconsciously they might not realize it sorry subconsciously like they'll feel it they know it's like that one day where all the Jews come together. It's like mm-hmm. every other Jew in the world is doing this, mm-hmm. so I'm going to join too. Even if yeah. it might necessarily mean the same thing that it does to me that it does to them to mm-hmm. like the rabbi next to them. I think it's just like the essence of if they know they're a Jew, they're like, no, this is this is like something that that is part of my Judaism, no matter how. So every the so every everyone who's sitting at the. It, at the Minyan, everyone who's sitting there is that coming for it from a different place and a different reason, but at the end of the day, the same, that Jewish solidarity is what's bringing everyone together. I think so, yeah. I'm Jewish, so I got a show on Yom Kippur. It's a good, that's a good answer, right? Someone tell you that, okay. I feel like it's not necessarily like solidarity, but like, so it's just, like, a you just know it's important. Like, there's just something that, like, you're Why, a Jew. that's the thing. No, but that's you're the thing. Right? It's like, I mean, I, I do think it's because, like, of Hashem at the end of the day but like it's like there's just something inherent here that you know it's important like I've been learning about miracles um and it's like the idea like why do so many reform Jews still like celebrate Pesach like yeah sure like maybe they don't have like the kosher hall or like whatever it is but like why do they still celebrate it it's because like the miracle from three thousand you know thousands of years ago is like still like so prevalent today that it like changed their behavior and I feel like it's like a very similar situation like with yoga Court's like there's just like something you just you just know it's important mm-hmm. because it's just like it's something like within you it's not even just your community it's just like you know You know, and at the same time there's also there's also that community right um happening at the same time there's I, what I'm loving about this is that everyone's bringing another reason right yeah you're, you're going to say that it's like a soul thing that because Hashem revealing himself to all the souls on high and down here <laughs> so all the souls high Noah has been in my class. <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's definitely something going on on a soul level. Definitely. Nobody's going to tell you that. First of all, because we're not that in touch with our souls that we know it. There's something pushing us. Maybe it's, you know, I want to make my dad happy, right? Or I want to, you know, see all my Jewish friends, and, or I think it's the right thing to do, or I feel something, right? Or there's an energy in the air, or anyway, everything else is closed in Israel, so I may as well just go to shore, we tell ourselves the reasons that make sense in our mind, but there is definitely something driving us. The fact that there is such... Uh, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll start off with a story tomorrow. Um, there's some beautiful Yom Kippur stories of Jews who just... They didn't even know it was Yom Kippur, and suddenly certain things happened, and there's definitely something going on on a soul level. And what's the mimer telling us? That Hashem is shining His light in that time. He's fully revealing Himself in all of His glory, and the soul of the Jew responds to that what the soul then tells the mind to tell us to make us go to shul we're going to hear everyone's going to tell us something else but the soul is pushing us and our soul doesn't always push us our soul is always wants our soul always wants us to serve god always wants us to be close to god it's in a constant state of yearning for god but sometimes it pushes us why because hashem is shining And that's what's called Dodili. When we use the term Dodili, my beloved is to me, Hashem is shining. But Anila Dodi is where we're holding right now. We're not holding in Dodili yet. And that's what we need to discuss. So that's what we're going to discuss starting from tomorrow. Elo, we're not in a time of shining right now. Our souls are not pushing us to go anywhere. I mean, your souls will push me to come here. I'm very (laughs) impressed. Um, But... There's nothing crazy going on. It's, there's regular Shabbats. There's no holidays right now in Elul. We hear the Shofar, which is beautiful. It's a, it's a minhag. It's a custom to prepare, but there's no special mitzvot in Elul. What's our job right now? What's the energy right now? How can we tap into that? And how can we tap into that so when we get to Rosh Hashanah, we can really feel that inspiration? Not in a way of, I'm here because my dad, you know, my parents wanted me to be here. My mom wants me to be here but actually being able to tap into the energy of the time that our soul is really feeling. So we're going to learn a very famous analogy that the Alter Rebbe brings of the king in the field. Tomorrow, we're going to see, the, the original source for that analogy is in this mimer. Many people, I remember teaching, whoa, oh, I'm from so over time, I'm so sorry. Um, many people have heard this analogy of the king in the field. And I remember last year telling us, this is the source of it. They were like, no, there's no way. I went to a modern orthodox school and there's no way that they were teaching Hasidut. And I was like, listen, the analogy came from the Alter Rebbe. It's a good analogy, so you take it. Um, but that's what we're gonna be learning. We're gonna be tapping in what's Aniludodi? What is Aniludodi? What does it mean for us to initiate? What does that look like? And how do we initiate a relationship with Hashem? So we'll continue tomorrow. And I really want to say this, I loved all of your answers about Yom Kippur because um, first of all, just it just gives a sense, you know, of where everyone's coming from in a way and also it's a beautiful thing, if we think about it. It's a beautiful thing that I'm sure many of you have gone to Shulon Yom Kippur, even if you didn't do, you know, many other things. went to Shulon Yom Kippur. That's a big, first of all, thank your parents, if they were the ones who pushed you. That's a very special thing. So we'll continue tomorrow. And have a wonderful day. Okay? Thank you. Oh, thanks.